to Inside Surgery, a podcast from the European Association for Endoscopic Surgery. Welcome to Inside Surgery in this final episode from the Roma Congress. I'm joined by Pedro and Marina from the Communication Task Force, who've managed to track down some key people from around the Congress. We'll kick off with Pedro, who tracked down Professors Michelle Adamina and Professor Manish Chand from the Technology Committee. I'll hand it to Pedro. So, good afternoon again, everyone. Uh, we are from the EAS Communication Task Force, and now I uh, have with me Professor Michelle Adamina and Professor uh, Manish Chand. And first of all, I will ask um, um, Professor Adamina, what do you think it will be the... Um, the future of the education training committee of this society? I think that education is a very important part of becoming and staying a good surgeon. So education starts at medical school and goes along residency. And once you become a certified surgeon, it's very important, especially if you're specialized, but not only to stop on top of, of your field. And that's something that the education training committee is very good at achieving. So now I have also Manishan from the Technology Committee uh, and I'll, when I'll join you together in this uh, task. Um, educate using technology. How do you think that you, uh, both committees can uh, bring this up? Thanks very much, Pedro. I think one of the things that's unique about the EAES is that it has always been known for its innovation and its use of technology both in education and training, but also in how we improve our clinical practice. And I think combining and harnessing the tools of technology to improve training for our next generation of surgeons, but also for how we impact our patients is going to be very important over the next 10 years. And we've seen that with some wonderful presentations and some wonderful exhibitions from our industry partners. I look forward to working with Michelle and others in the, in the AES, EAES family so that as we develop some of these tools and understand how best to use them, we can implement them quickly and rapidly and disseminate them into our community so that all of our members can benefit from it. Thank you, Manish. Um, and uh, for now, uh, uh, Professor Demina. Um, what do you think will be the next challenges for uh, the next education committee uh, led by Milos Lolovic? That's a difficult question. There's a number of things uh, that can be aimed at. One of those is to continue in the offering of the EIS fellowship that allow people from a variety of countries to get trained at centers of excellence then in line with the new technology that is coming uh, to the OR to improve um, robotic access, including structure course and, and training opportunities. Actually, I was in one of the Discovery Robotics course uh, with EAS and Intuitive last uh, March. It was wonderful, that course. Uh, for me, that I'm starting the robotic uh, path, a training pathway, it was really wonderful to have been there uh, with uh, a great faculty. So it was really a, a huge opportunity to be there. Um, and for you, Manish. Um, what do you think that um, we, uh, during this Congress we saw a lot of innovation, a lot of technologies coming from everywhere? Um, what do you think it will be um, 
really for you, uh, what be the next technology besides robotics, besides AI? Uh, what do you think it would be an, an awesome thing, like uh, out of the box, really think? Well, I think um, you've mentioned that you've mentioned two topics which are very big and a lot of research going on, a lot of wonderful work we've seen. I think as an overarching theme, what we're going to see over the next decade is advanced imaging and how advanced imaging is going to help us in many different ways, including the detection of cancer, the improvement quality of control and assurance of that we've removed cancers and got our naught resection so we can have an immediate um, audit in effect of, of, the, of our practice of surgery. But what I'm most excited about is how we can involve and harness some of the, the more interesting applications such as metaverse and extended reality. Now, we know that the internet has been a huge revolution over the last 25, 30 years, but we've always had an interface with the internet, a screen. We're there in 2D, there's something in the way. The metaverse will allow us to immerse ourselves fully into that digital world. And with that, it opens up a lot of possibilities. We'll be able to immerse ourselves into training so that we're not watching videos in 2D. We are in the surgery, navigating ourselves around, familiarizing ourselves, decreasing that cognitive burden. And I think understanding how performance will increase around that and the theory of how we improve performance, not just using these wonderful tools, but how it truly makes a difference, that's exciting. Um. Yeah, that's a wonderful technology. Um, aren't you afraid that these person-to-person -person, uh, interfer uh, interference and, and uh, like we are here, person-to-person -person talks, what, aren't you afraid that they will disappear? No, we've seen the wonderful hospitality that we've had from our hosts here in Rome. Um, I don't think meetings like this are ever going to disappear because we meet as a family and we share our experiences, yes, and we showcase our work and we're proud of our work. But I think come, what comes with that is also the exchange of ideas in person. And we know that creativity is at its best when people meet face to face. Thank you. Do, do you have some comments, Adamina, about what we were talking about? Yeah, I just wanted to say that the event of the telephone or the email didn't decrease, but actually increase communication. As Manish said very rightly, people do need a face-to-face -face interaction. And by getting virtual, we might just increase the value of the face-to-face -face interaction. I think that we are going to have more interaction, more diverse interaction, more in-depth exchange of idea and data supported by technology and that it will culminate in a face-to-face -face meeting be it at a congress or any kind of meeting to promote uh, the adherence to ideas. So what I will propose now is that we will meet again face-to-face -face next year or next meeting of EAS, okay? Thank you very much for your uh, availability and your time. Thank you very much again. You're most welcome. Welcome back. We have Marina Yasamidu and Nadia Francis with us, um, who are both representing the United Kingdom. And uh, I'm going to hand the presenting duties over to Marina, who's going to have a, a discussion. Oh, hello, Prof. Francis, and thank you for uh, agreeing to do this podcast with me. Um, it's just a quick podcast, five questions. Starting off, uh, I was wondering if you can tell the younger surgeons um, why you've decided to go into surgery. Thank you, and it's my pleasure to be interviewed this morning at the European Association of Endoscopic Surgeons. Uh, 
long time ago now, but uh, I need to go back with my memory. Um, sometimes you are as inspired by people who you work with, and probably I was most inspired by surgeons who uh, happen to be colorectal surgeons. Uh, and you have a self-selection of what you do in life. Um, surgery, I think, is fun. Uh, surgery you um, accomplish and you can impact patient's care uh, relatively uh, quicker and you can um, influence that by learning the skills uh, which it happened to be an area of my uh, research interest to study surgical skills and assessment. So I think altogether I think it's fun to be a surgeon. Excellent, that's good to hear. And um You've said that you have a lot of experience and you said that it's, it's been a long uh, time since you started. So what keeps you inspired um, to continue to do surgery? I, I always share this with my colleagues and my juniors. Every day I wake up, I always ask myself, how can I do things better? And I think that is the question remains with us all the time. How can we improve what we deliver? And and this question is fundamental for research, for driving innovation, for improving care and improving outcomes. It also drives excitement because you want to improve. You want things better. You want to learn new skills. You want to implement new tools, new methods, uh, new ways of making life. And it doesn't have to be um, a major intervention. It could be... Um, marginal improvement and across across number of areas but the ultimate outcome drives improvement in patient care thank you and um if you were to go back when you were doing uh, your first year of residency and give uh, an advice to your younger self what would that be i think as a younger surgeon it's really important to aspire um, mastery, not just to be good surgeon. You need to be as good as you can be. You need to be focused on learning skills and acquiring those across the broad spectrum of what you do. Uh, that will require hard working, dedication, motivation, uh, willingness to be around, work extra hours, uh, and try to harness every opportunity for learning. Um, at that, that stage, you will come across various models of trainers with varying um, personalities and attitudes towards training. And why I advise young surgeons is you've got to take the initiative. You can encourage your trainer to train you by being there prepared, ready, and willing to learn. And I think that is quite generic and applicable at all stages and at all specialities. Thank you. And another important topic, um, a hot topic, for especially for young surgeons, is work-life balance. I understand that you have um, a family. Um, how do you balance between your clinical work and your family life? I wish I could answer and I say I do. Uh, it's really hard. Uh, it's really, really hard because uh, the life of a surgeon is difficult because as I, I just mentioned, 
um, in order to become successful and in order to achieve what you want and learn all those skills, you've got to sacrifice and be around and be there, spend extra hours, learn, study, um, improve your own skills. But I think it's very important to have um, a balanced life, not just from a personality point of view. I think it's also good for your own practice. Uh, a balanced life actually makes the surgeons more accomplished and makes your perspective um, to become um, looking at the bigger picture. And I think you could see that a balanced life of a surgeon tends to come with um, a more holistic approach towards patient's care. Um, it's very hard to generalize it, but it's, I think it's something we should all aspire to acquire. And I know it's really hard, but I think nowadays it's becoming a bit easier during my time of training, it's, it was long hours, probably far too long than what we should have been, but now it's becoming reasonable hours. And I think it's important to spend some time with your family, with your kids, um, and because that will feed and give you the energy that you can spend and you can look after your patients in a more balanced way. Thank you, and final question. What's your favorite song to listen to in the OR? Oh gosh, I, I usually tend to kind of hand it over to the anesthetist because uh, it's not my choice. I, I tell you something actually, I did a change over years. I uh, Initially I did pop my songs, but uh, then I've discovered um, I'm very interested in training. So every time, almost every time I'm training someone and I found it unfair to pop my uh, songs uh, with somebody is their first experience and I could see immediately it slows them down. So I tend to ask them, and initially, the answer is very clear. They don't want any songs at all. As they learn more, they tend to prefer their own songs. So I tend to sacrifice my own songs, and uh, nowadays, listening to the trainees. So I've got a very, very strange taste now with having uh, 15, 16 years with every year two trainees. So it's, it's like 30, 30 kind of um, special kind of songs in my head <laughs> going across. So that that has summarized my life now, but uh, but I, I love it and I enjoy it and I would love to continue doing that. Thank you so much for your time, Prof. So before Marina departs, uh, she's going to summarize some of the activities um, she and her committee or subcommittee have been uh, doing around research guidelines. So Marina, would you mind just uh, talking about your, uh, your, your your meeting yesterday and some of the core core points? Thank you. Um, so I'm just here to give a, a brief overview on the uh, evaluation of the impact of the EAS uh, research grants that we have been uh, um, awarding since 2011. So uh, looking into the type of studies, there is uh, a great variability uh, in terms of studies. We had uh, education studies, novel technology studies, uh, uh, RCTs, transitional studies, consensus studies, 
um, and uh, technological interventions. And more specifically for the impact, it showed a, a really good impact both for the uh, leading primary investigator uh, and also for the uh, trainees that were involved in the studies. We had uh, at least 19, an average of 19 uh, citations in highly esteemed journals. Uh, we had um, a number of awards uh, given. Uh, invitation to guideline committees, change in policy and practice, which is uh, a very important impact, and uh, involvement in, in further research as well. So that's fascinating. Can you just tell me about the impact of this research and uh, you know what it means in terms of the progression and, and what should people in the audience know really about the, you know, the background to this? So essentially we did ask our uh, primary investigators about their impact on their career progression um, and they've uh, given us a five out of seven in positive uh, impact on their career progression. But the most important thing, it, it wasn't only for them, uh, we had a six out of seven for the career progression of the junior uh, academics that they've uh, supervised. So that's that's really uh, important. Uh, also, it increased significantly the confidence of the junior academics, uh, gave them further academic uh, career opportunities, it, it increased, increased their efficiency, and also, very importantly, it helped with their uh, clinical skills as well. So that's interesting. The actual impact of the, uh, uh, you know, your membership and this this research has had a knock-on effect, a ripple effect, if you like, to, to your institution and and the other people's institution involved in this. Yeah, so we can see that it's increased collaboration. Most of our uh, responders to the survey we've sent out, they said that it was very important in terms of developing uh, new collaborations, new projects and networking. And that's because it was done under the umbrella of EAS. Great. So in terms of the next steps, um, you know, you've summarized it really well there. Uh, is, is, is there some takeaways? Yes, yeah, so we can see that there is a positive impact. We've also, um, it's a bit lengthy to go into it now, but we've also looked at uh, barriers for uh, completion of the, of the projects, and that is something that we would take back to the research committee, um, and hopefully they can, uh, they can instigate ways to, to help our researchers in the, in the future with that. Uh, and we need to uh, try and make the research grants uh, to ensure that there is equity and that they're accessible to, to all. Uh, like, for example, we only had uh, three female um, uh, researchers who, who, who had the award, which could be perfectly because not many females applied, but it's certainly something to look into. But definitely the take-home message is that uh, it has a very significant impact and most importantly to young academics uh, as well. Awesome. Well, thanks for summarising that for us and also for making the transition between presenter to uh, guest on the podcast. <laughs> so uh, thanks very much. What are you looking forward to for the rest of the Congress? Um, I'm looking forward to, to see um, all, the, all the new research that's coming out. Uh, I was at the Rising Star uh, academy this morning so that's a really uh, that's a really important new development in EAS and I'm looking forward to see how that progresses
Awesome. And have you had a chance to have a look around Roma as well? No, not yet. <laughs> I hope you get to uh, get up to town as well. Will do. Thank you. Okay, thank you. Thanks for joining Inside Surgery. Please visit our website at eaes.eu for a wealth of resources, information, events and research to support surgeons from across the region. <laughs> <laughs>